Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and today we have a special guest joining us. He is a Black businessman, CEO, business consultant, university professor, and author. Our guest is passionate about entrepreneurs and why they succeed or fail. His initial book was Why Entrepreneurs Fail to Win, is widely used as a textbook in college entrepreneurship programs. Why Black and Brown Entrepreneurs Fail to Win is for entrepreneurs and those who want to be entrepreneurs. His third book, Why Women Entrepreneurs Fail to Win, was just recently published. He's also a proponent of social entrepreneurship and launched the Polk Institute of Social Entrepreneurship on January 15th, 2021. When he launched the Polk Institute of Social Entrepreneurship, it was with five overarching goals which are to create a welfare withdraw paradigm, to teach how to fish, to teach them what they do not know about business, to create fundable CEOs who are ethical and po- possess great character, to create leaders who are, believe that people, plan, and profit is not a zero sum. Focus on the b- triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. Our guest believes they align to drive success for everyone involved. The Institute's first training Entrepreneurs for Everyone started February 1st, 2021, as Black History Month began. Active in numerous organizations, he was selected by the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurs, Entrepreneurship, NFTE, as their 2020 National Individual Volunteer of the Year. For the second year in a row in 2022, he was among a selected group honored by the Los Angeles Times in its December 19th Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility magazine as an inspirational and diverse leader, exhibiting achievement in this arena. And top the year off, he also received the 2022 Los Angeles Business Journal Nonprofit Executive of the Year Operating Budget of Less Than $1 Million Award. Like, come on. Professionally, once upon a time, our guest served as a humble banker, where friends called him Mr. B of A, started as a teller upon graduating from LMU. Gary went on to spend 10 years at the Bank of America. His positions ranged from teller to branch manager to area credit administration and marketing coordinator. After banking, Gary decided to spend 14 years in insurance sales and distinct management at CSU Northridge. Our guest has taught as an adjunct professor since 1991 and at uh, at CSU Dominguez Hills since 2003. 2021 marked his 34th year as an an adjunct professor at the 19th year and a 19th year at CSUDH as a lecturer and an adjunct professor of business management, ethics, and entrepreneurship. Ethics is his most recent area of scholarly research. Yeah, yeah. It's a tongue twister, sir. Can um, be. <laughs> he has uh, he earned his Bachelor of Business Administration degree from Loyola Mont- Marymount University. He spent his first two years as Azua Pacific University and played JV basketball for the legendary small coach Cliff co- small college coach Cliff Hamlow at Azu Pacific. He has five. 
Azusa Pacific. I, I, I'm just going to introduce our guest because maybe you can, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a beautiful intro, but it's taking away from our guest here. Uh, Gary Polk, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Phil. Glad to be here. Um, I, I will definitely reread that in uh, post-production uh, post to get it nice and smooth. But Gary, I want to thank you for being here and could you introduce yourself to my audience? I, I, I read a lot of amazing things for you, but who are you? Well, to fill in the blanks, um, uh, Gandhi said it best when he said that uh, you want to live as if you're going to die tomorrow and you want to learn if you're going to live forever. So in one sentence, that encapsulates who Gary Polk is. So I am a L.A. Uh, product. I've uh, been here all my life, went to Gardena High School, in addition to butchering Azusa Pacific College, <laughs> which is okay. AZUSA is not a common word, but it's a little small town. And I didn't want to go too far, but wanted to get far enough away to establish myself as a college student. So Azusa is at the foothills over in the San Gabriel Valley, so that worked. Um, I'm a um, family guy. I have three kids, adult kids. I have five grandkids. I'm very lucky. I have uh, three girl dogs, so I call myself a girl dog dad now. And it's amazing that I always had boy dogs growing up all my life. My mother passed away. She had a poodle, a girl poodle, first girl dog I ever had. Realized girl dogs are different than boy dogs. One thing, they don't raise their legs peeing all over the place. It's to be a little blunt. So that was very cool. So somehow we wound up with Lady, my mom's dog. Then we got Penny, uh, a Jack Chi, Jack Russell Terrier mixed with Chihuahua. Wow. The most dog in the world. This dog is flying around the house when she's not asleep. And then we picked up Mookie, a little, um, what is it, a Papillon six-pound six dog. Amazing. And so they keep things really happy around here. It's amazing. Uh, I'm an L.A. Uh, sports fan. So uh, love the Dodgers, love the Lakers, love um, Rams football. And this is what's crazy. I love UCLA basketball, but I love USC football. And they said, wait a minute, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. If you grew up here in the 60s, you had to love John Wooden and UCLA basketball winning 10 titles in 12 years? Really? Are you kidding me? That's never going to happen again. And then USC, I remember when I was 12 years old, I'm watching USC play some Midwest school, Ohio State, Michigan, somebody. And this guy was running up and down, OJ Simpson scoring touchdown. We had this big white horse that ran on, down the sideline. Every time he scored a touchdown, threw this big uh, sword into the ground. I said, that's my team. Yeah, that 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 will make you a, a fan for life. Seeing uh, seeing the uh, the great OJ uh, play in his prime. Yes, um, he was amazing. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. So, but you know, my thing is that uh, I love to read, and that's mm -hmm. probably something else that um, in '95 we started a co-ed book club, and here we are, 27, 28 years later, and we're still going strong. So we have six men, seven women. And because we have the women in, I read stuff I probably would never read on my own. You know, being the macho guy I am. Of course. Reading the bridges over in Madison County, <laughs> and the notebook and 
those kind. But I can tell you it's been great because it makes you get out of your zone, your comfort zone, and read things that you will never read. So we meet once a month, even through COVID, we just did the Zoom thing. And so I'll read one book a month every year that's a fun book. And then I read different business books, you know, the uh, more nonfiction stuff. So I'm a big reader as well. Is, and is that where you you got your desire to become an author? Well, yes and no. Um, as an academic, as a professor, a lot of us write scholarly articles, books, contribute. So I never really got into writing a book. A couple of friends had written books. So I said, well, let me try and take a stab at it. So when I wrote my first book after teaching about 29 years, I took all the stuff, the, my best stuff that I accumulated, so I wrote it as if it was my first and my last book. So I just put everything in it. And actually, we came up with the title, Why Entrepreneurs Fail to Fail as a marketing grab. Oh, well, why do they fail? But then we slipped in the two win because we wanted it to be an empowerment book, not a self-help book per se, but at the end of every chapter, we give you some recommendations, some tools and resources of things that you need if you want to become a success in a failure sport. So I would not be genuine if I said, Phil, you could do this and don't worry about failure. I'd be genuine saying, Phil, you could do this, but there's twice as good a chance of you failing than succeeding. But with that known, it's like baseball. If you understand baseball, you get 10 at-bats. If you get three hits, they call it batting 300, and you're Hall of Fame if you do that for a career. And they don't even care that you struck out seven times. Well, baseball, uh, being an entrepreneur, the analogy is the same. We know that if we have 10 startups, seven will fail. We don't know which seven, but seven will, but three will make it. And why do we do it? Because people want to have what they call now financial freedom. So they want to be that seven, and they got that belief, that understanding that they're going to be one of those three that makes it as opposed to one of those seven that don't make it. And if you understand capitalism, that's really what it's about. It took me a little while to understand capitalism is about making a profit, not a paycheck. My mom and dad were always working for somebody. They were paycheck-oriented, retirement-oriented. A lot of their generation was. But when I worked in Beverly Hills Bank of America and I saw the average people like us, not the entertainers and the movie stars and the big time athletes, they were not entrepreneurs. the 1%. Yeah, they were entrepreneurs. And so then you start digging a little deeper. You say, okay, well, the backbone of American business is small business because as an educator, I learned innovation comes from small business, not big business. Small business hires more people in totality than corporations. So we need, as our economy, we need small business. We need entrepreneurs. There's this guy named Adam Smith who wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations that outlined, and this is way back in 1776, that outlined capitalism. In the United States, for whatever reason, we really do that well. And I talk about that in our first book, how the United States, we are really good when it comes to 
being entrepreneurs, being risk takers, being capitalists. But sometimes we cross that line and become that greedy American pig because maybe we go a little bit too far and maybe we do some things unethical. Maybe we go a little too far with that. And that's where the social entrepreneurship for me brings it back home. Yes, we still are capitalists. Yes, we still want profit, but we also want to focus on people, how we treat customers and employees and how we treat the planet. Mm -hmm. So people, planet, profit for me was really a telling tale because it works. I love everything you're saying because I feel the same way. I think uh, capitalism works as long as you, it's the small business. As long as you invest in the small businesses, it works. I personally uh, have a goal to always have a rotating staff in my business. I, mm. I do podcast production. I only want people to be with me for five years. And then I want them to go have the skills, build them up so that they can start their own business and have the financial freedom and the freedom that they deserve as individuals in, in, in a country. And I, I agree with you. Uh, Americans do have the innate drive for the American dream. You guys built the, the whole thing. But your country was built on people trying to survive a harsh landscape. A, a wild yeah. west, you know, like surviving in the wild west, you know, the unclaimed lands of, or well, the the territories of Montana and that, um, and the difficulties in building a nation and then creating your own nation from a civil war. It's always been a drive to do better, become better um, right. as a people, and it's ingrained in your DNA as a as as a people. Um, yes, there's negative and positive to both sides and that's what you said when it goes to the other side when you become more greedy the fat american pig analogy as you said or as you're the lean you know uh innovative entrepreneur that's the the best part of capitalism i think it's it's that and i think i agree with that that social social entrepreneurism needs to be more talked about yep absolutely so I want to know, why did you jump from a, a so-called cushy job teaching academics, academia, and start your own business? That's a good question. And one of the things that COVID-19, it was such a negative time. It was so much negativity. And I was teaching my classes at Dominguez Hills, and I started telling my students who were online, I said, let's talk positive. I don't want to hear any bad COVID-19 stories. I want to hear some fun stories. You can have your pity party somewhere else, but in my room, we're going to talk about the good stuff. One of my favorite stories, well, Professor, with COVID-19, I had so much time being in my house, I painted my house. That was hilarious, really. You painted your house because of COVID-19. And then you start hearing stories like that. Oh, I start getting closer to my kids. I start getting closer because we were there together. And so some positivity. And so before I was an online professor, I've been doing online teaching since 2002. A buddy said, hey, Gary, this online stuff can be the wave of the future. But it, online was always using discussion boards and we never used video really. Mm -hmm. Well, because COVID all of a sudden, March, 2020, the wheel just stopped. Skirp. No classes for one week. Then they said two weeks. And next thing you know, everything was on Zoom. But I'd already set up online modalities, so that was easy. 
But now that we had Zoom, like you and I are in Zoom, we could have 30 more boxes and I could teach. And now you have um, screen share. You could do your PowerPoint. So it became a new way to deliver a class. And so literally the Polk Institute, I decided we're going to be a positive force coming out of 2019, 2020 and COVID-19. So I did some research. I found that the student debt was $1.6 trillion. That is amazing. And it was in U.S. World News Report. And it was the average kid, the average college student, $36,000 debt. If you went to a private, probably over $100,000. And then in the same magazine article, there was another article that talked about 15 tuition-free universities. I'd never heard of that. And I've been in academia for 30 years, never heard of tuition-free. Well, you read a little deeper, it turns out our military academies, West Point, Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, um, Merchant Marine Academy, all are tuition-free. And we're turning out military leaders. So I asked the question, why couldn't we set up a tuition-free teaching institution where we can now turn out entrepreneur leaders, tuition free, who pays for the military academies? We do the stock, uh, the taxpayers. Who's gonna pay for the Polk Institute? If we're gonna offer tuition free education, we're gonna go to banks, we're gonna go to corporations, we're gonna go to foundations and individual donors and talk about wanting to help. So then we set a mission and our mission is serving social entrepreneurs to help make the world a better place. Serving social entrepreneurs to help make the world a better place. And then we established a vision, a very aspirational vision to help launch 1,000 social entrepreneurships by 2032. And in that context, ships was a metaphor for businesses. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I'm teaching. So I'm not that guy who can teach but can't do so I have to model what I do, and now this gave me this great platform. I started an innovation incubator at Dominguez Hills, so I have been, had another radio way back in my insurance days. I even started my own insurance uh, agency. But anyway, back to this point, so the first thing I knew, I needed some help. So I called up a colleague, a finance professor. Hey, Mike, I want to start a nonprofit. I want to help social entrepreneurs. I want to help entrepreneurs. We started something at Dominguez. I want to finish it, but we're going to do it as a nonprofit. He said, sign me up. Oh, I need a CMO. Hey, Debbie, I need your help. I need a great marketing person because we're going to launch a thousand ships, a thousand businesses in the next 10 years. She said, sign me up. And there we go. The rest is history. My why, though, was when I first started in 20, in 1991, at Northridge. I entered a program called the Minority Business Program, and they were about bringing in Black and Latino students to major in business at Northridge. So here we are, 2020. I focus on Black and Brown to the underrepresented, as I call, entrepreneurs who don't get the same resources as others. And now we're going to provide these resources on a tuition-free basis. So in some ways, this is a culmination 
of something that happened 31 years ago. And my vision is so clear, it's just not funny. When I'm coaching people, I'll say, hey, Phil, what's keeping you up at night? And a lot of times that has a negative connotation. Well, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. For me, this is my passion. What's keeping me up at night is what I'm going to do the next day for the Polk Institute. So I'm having a ball. I love that. I love how your passion is keeping you up at night in all the positive ways and you're turning everything into a positive. Um, now, you started your your career in the banking world. You transitioned or were doing teaching at the same time and now you're transitioning into a full-time uh, entrepreneur. You've had some interesting pivots. Would you have any tips or a tip particularly for someone that is transitioning, going through that transitional period in their life, maybe going from one industry into another, like you went from banking to insurance and then also with the teaching, something for uh, for them to help them get it, uh, keep going. Well, let's focus on the entrepreneur side. And to me, it's very easy. If you want to become an entrepreneur, my best advice is pursue your passion. So I went from being a banker and I was in insurance sales, got into education. In about three years, I realized that education was my true passion because in that third or fourth year out at Northridge, they ran out of money. And I said, well, I'm only teaching part-time. I don't need the money. I'll teach for free. And they said, you will? Okay, don't tell the union and we'll let you do it. (laughs) Well, the semester I taught for free, I worked just as hard. And then I realized that teaching was my passion. Fast forward another three or four years, I decided I'm going to pursue my passion. I'm going to leave Farmers Insurance. I was getting ready to become a district manager, over 28 branches. I was going to coach high school girls varsity basketball and teach full time. I left a lot of money on my table. When I told my uh, district manager that I was going to quit and go coach and teach, he looked at me like I was crazy. But I can tell you it's the best decision I ever made. So because entrepreneurship is a blood sport, is a beat-up sport, I recommend strongly pursue your passion. And if you can figure out a way to monetize your passion, then you never work a day in your life. And it really is true. So I've been teaching all this time, and now I'm in my own space. I'm still teaching at Dominguez Hills. I still do some work with the SBA, doing some consulting. But my main thing is the Polk Institute and what we're going to do. And we're doing more than I thought we would do. But my point is we've had our setbacks, just like you're going to have. If it's not your passion and you're doing it for money and you get punched in the mouth, you might quit. You might tap out. You get punched in the gut, you may quit. But if you're doing it for the right reasons, you take that punch in the mouth, you shake it out, say, that's all you got? It's going to take more than that to get me out of here. So that's my advice. Try to pursue your passion. Try to figure a way to monetize what you love to do. And then you never work a day in your life. Wise words coming from Gary Polk of the Polk Institute. Gary, I want to know, in your journey so far, the short journey of the Polk Institute, but your long journey in both business and studying entrepreneurs. Um, have you had an, a, a moment that just solidified your why? 
like you did mention the fact that Norfolk was like, uh, we can't pay you. And you're like, I still want to work. But is there another story where you had a win or that you were able to get a client or launch a company or something, give someone that you were helping a win? You know, I tell you, I want to talk about a small win. Uh, this past weekend, uh, Carson, the city of Carson, where Dominguez Hills is located, where I live, they had their 55th gala and uh, celebrating their 55 years in history as a city. And when it was over, people were filing out and a young man walks up, Professor Polk, remember me? Hmm, not quite. I'll never forget you. 10 years ago, things you told me today. I said, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm in payroll, city of Carson. Stuff you told me about management theory, I see it every day. And that happens very, very often. Not every day, not every month, but enough to say what I'm doing is touching lives. And I think that is really the thing because I believe in education whether it's through the Polk Institute or through a university, the fact that you're making an impact because why is a kid in college? Because they want to better their lives. And so when they can come back and say, thank you, then that's what it's all about. I've helped a lot of companies. They come back and say, thank you. But sometimes it's those students that, you know, I probably had 5,000 students over the years. So how do you remember that? But when they remember you and can come up and say that, then that is everything. Oh, I love that. That's a great memory to have. And it does solidify why be, being able to stay in a student's mind. And I have a few teachers like that in my, uh, not even teachers, There's they are educators in my book because they educated me. Um, they didn't just teach me. And I have a few of those that I remember quite fondly. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I know what it's it, as a student. I understand having remembering something that a, a, a educator taught you. Uh, we are coming to the end of the episode again. We're going to ask the Spark question of the show. Um, okay. As my audience knows, um, Spark is uh, from Seek Discomfort, an amazing brand that asks you to spark a conversation with a stranger. Um, so, what you have dreamed of doing for a long time. What have you, sorry, what have you dreamed of doing for a long time and what's holding you back from doing it? Hmm. Well, I've dreamed of going to Europe for a long time. I mean, I can remember when I was an undergrad at Loyola Marymount, I was set up to uh, take a study abroad class and I was going to go to England and study business in England and I met somebody that turned in to be a fiance, that turned in to be a spouse, that here we are all this time. I never made it to England. <laughs> so my bucket list is I love trains. I want to go to Europe, and I want to tour Europe by rail, but not those bullet trains over there. I want to go on the slow trains to be able to see the countryside. So that is my bucket list, and going to Europe is something that, I want to do in the next three to five years, you know, while I can still enjoy it. I think yeah. you're going to be able to get it done this year. I think that's what I, I, I think. And I know, I think, uh, I know that you're going to, this, this is going to help you the, the poke Institute. I think you're going to launch more than a thousand 
businesses. I think you guys are going to crush that goal by the time uh, you said 2034, correct? That was your goal? 2032. 2032, guaranteed. You're going to crush that way before. Um, Gary, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. I'm going to jump off the screen here for a little bit. I'm going to ask you, just let my audience know where they can come support you, support the Polk Institute, and uh, if they have any questions, how they can reach out to you. Sure. Thank you. Um, You can reach me through our website, and our website is www.polkinstitute.org www.polkinstitute.org. You can reach me via email, gpolk at polk-ise.com. gpolk, P-O-L-K, at polk-i-indian-s-sam-e-edward.com. May 24th, we're going to have an exciting equity crowdfunding seminar combined with a five-minute pitch competition. It's an all-comers pitch competition. We just had a black and brown pitch competition on in February to uh, recognize Black History Month. But when we get to May, it's going to be all-comers. So that's going to be black and brown and white and Asian and Native American. It's going to include veterans. It's going to be all-comers. And we're excited about this opportunity, May 24th. It's going to be at the Optimum Studios over near LAX. So you go to the website, you click on the link, and um, there you can sign up. It's a free event, very educational event, and networking is going to be a big part of it. You never know who you might meet at these events. So that's pretty much it. But we're always looking for people who want to be a mentor, People want to be a facilitator and teach one of our workshops, uh, always investors and uh, financial support. And you can do all of that through our website, again, folkinstitute.org. Gary, thank you again for being on the show. I can't thank you enough. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Let me know when you want me to come back. (laughs) Oh, definitely. We'll have you coming back uh, when you hit that, crush that goal of a thousand ships launched, uh, definitely having you back. To my audience, you know what to do in the show notes down below is everywhere to connect with Gary. Make sure you follow, support, uh, and check out the events. I'll make sure that is at the top link. Um, And always remember to invest in yourself.